Chapter Two, Part One of the Make Believe Man by Richard Harding Davis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Two, Part One. I felt for me adventures had already begun for my meeting with the beautiful lady was the event of my life and though kinney and i had agreed to share our adventures of this one i knew i could not even speak to him i wanted to be alone where i could delight in it where i could go over what she had said what i had said i would share it with no one it was too wonderful too sacred but Kinney would not be denied. He led me to our cabin and locked the door. "'I'm sorry,' he began, "'but this adventure is one I cannot share with you.' The remark was so in keeping with my own thoughts that with sudden unhappy doubt I wondered if Kinney, too, had felt the charm of the beautiful lady. But he quickly undeceived me. "'I have been doing a little detective work,' he said. His voice was low and sepulchral. "'And I have come upon a real adventure. There are reasons why I cannot share it with you, but as it develops you can follow it. About half an hour ago,' he explained, "'I came here to get my pipe. The window was open. The lattice was only partly closed. Outside was that young man from Harvard who—' tried to make my acquaintance and the young englishman who came on board with that blonde kinney suddenly interrupted himself you were talking to her just now he said i hated to hear him speak of the irish lady as that blonde i hated to hear him speak of her at all so to shut him off i answered bravely she asked me about the singer building i see said kinney well these two men were just outside my window and while i was searching for my pipe i heard the american speaking he was very excited and angry i tell you he said every boat and railroad station is watched you won't be safe till we get away from new york you must go to your cabin and stay there and the other one answered i am sick of hiding and dodging Kinney paused dramatically and frowned. "'Well,' I asked, "'what of it?' "'What of it?' he cried. He exclaimed aloud with pity and impatience. "'No wonder,' he cried, "'you never have adventures. Why, it's as plain as print. They are criminals escaping. The Englishman certainly is escaping.' i was concerned only for the lovely lady but i asked you mean the irishman called stumps stumps exclaimed kinney what a strange name too strange to be true it's an alias i was incensed that kinney should charge the friends of the lovely lady with being criminals had it been any one else i would have at once resented it but to be angry with Kinney is difficult. I could not help but remember that he is the slave of his own imagination. It plays tricks and runs away with him, and if it leads him to believe innocent people are criminals, 
it also leads him to believe that every woman in the subway to whom he gives his seat is a great lady a leader of society on her way to work in the slums joe i protested those men aren't criminals i talked to that irishman and he hasn't sense enough to be a criminal the railroads are watched repeated kinney do honest men care a darn whether a railroad is watched or not do you care do i care and did you notice how angry the american got when he found stumps talking with you i had noticed it and i also recalled the fact that stumps had said to the lovely lady he told me i could come on deck as soon as we started the words seemed to bear out what kinney claimed he had overheard but not wishing to encourage him of what i had heard i said nothing he may be dodging a summons i suggested he is wanted probably only as a witness it might be a civil suit or his chauffeur might have hit somebody kinney shook his head sadly excuse me he said but i fear you lack imagination those men are rascals dangerous rascals and the woman is their accomplice what they have done i don't know but i have already learned enough to arrest them as suspicious characters listen each of them has a separate stateroom forward the window of the american's room was open and his suitcase was on the bed on it were the initials h p a the stateroom is number twenty-four but when i examined the purser's list pretending i wished to find out if a friend of mine was on board i found that the man in twenty-four had given his name as james preston now he demanded why should one of them hide under an alias and the other be afraid to show himself until we leave the wharf he did not wait for my answer i have been talking to mr h p a alias preston he continued i pretended i was a person of some importance i hinted i was rich my object kinney added hastily was to encourage him to try some of his tricks on me to try to rob me so that i could obtain evidence i also he went on with some embarrassment told him that you too were wealthy and of some importance i thought of the lovely lady and i felt myself blushing indignantly you did very wrong i cried you had no right you may involve us both most unpleasantly you are not involved in any way protested kinney as soon as we reach new bedford you can slip on shore and wait for me at the hotel when i've finished with these gentlemen i'll join you finished with them i exclaimed what do you mean to do to them arrest them cried kinney sternly as soon as they step upon the wharf you can't do it i gasped i have done it answered kinney it's good as done i have notified the chief of police at new bedford he declared proudly to meet me at the wharf i used the wireless here is my message from his pocket he produced a paper and with great importance read aloud meet me at wharf on arrival steamer patience two well-known criminals on board escaping new york police 
will personally lay charges against them forbes kinney as soon as i could recover from my surprise i made violent protest i pointed out to kinney that his conduct was outrageous that in making such serious charges on such evidence he would lay himself open to punishment he was not in the least dismayed i take it then he said importantly that you do not wish to appear against them i do not wish to appear in it at all i cried you have no right to annoy that young lady you must wire the police you are mistaken i have no desire to arrest the woman said kinney stiffly in my message i did not mention her if you want an adventure of your own you might help her to escape while i arrest her accomplices i object i cried to your applying the word accomplice to that young lady and suppose they are criminals i demanded how will arresting them help you kinney's eyes flashed with excitement think of the newspapers he cried they'll be full of it already in imagination he saw the headlines a clever haul he quoted noted band of crooks elude new york police but are captured by forbes kinney he sighed contentedly and they'll probably print my picture too he added i knew i should be angry with him but instead i could only feel sorry i have known kinney for a year and i have learned that his make-believe is always innocent i suppose that he is what is called a snob but with him snobbishness is not an unpleasant weakness in his case it takes the form of thinking that people who have certain things he does not possess are better than himself and that therefore they must be worth knowing and he tries to make their acquaintance but he does not think that he himself is better than any one his life is very bare and narrow in consequence on many things he places false values as for example his desire to see his name in the newspapers even as an amateur detective so while i was indignant i was also sorry joe i said you're going to get yourself into an awful lot of trouble and though i am not in this adventure you know if i can help you i will he thanked me and we went to the dining saloon there at a table near ours we saw the lovely lady in stumps and the american she again smiled at me but this time so it seemed a little doubtfully in the mind of the american on the contrary there was no doubt he glared both at kinney and myself as though he would like to boil us in oil after dinner in spite of my protests kinney set forth to interview him and as he described it to lead him on to commit himself i feared kinney was much more likely to commit himself than the other and when i saw them seated together i watched from a distance with much anxiety an hour later while i was alone a steward told me the purser would like to see me i went to his office and found gathered there stumps his american friend the night watchman of the boat and the purser as though inviting him to speak the person nodded to the American.
that gentleman addressed me in an excited and belligerent manner my name is aldrich he said i want to know what your name is i did not quite like his tone nor did i like being summoned to the purser's office to be questioned by a stranger why i asked because said aldrich it seems you have several names as one of them belongs to this gentleman he pointed at stumps he wants to know why you are using it i looked at stumps and he greeted me with the vague and genial smile that was habitual to him but on being caught in the act by aldrich he hurriedly frowned i have never used any name but my own i said and i added pleasantly if i were choosing a name i wouldn't choose stumps aldrich fairly gasped his name is not stumps he cried indignantly he is the earl of ivy he evidently expected me to be surprised at this and i was surprised i stared at the much advertised young irishman with interest aldrich misunderstood my silence and in a triumphant tone which was far from pleasant continued so you see he sneered when you choose to pass yourself off as ivy you should have picked out another boat the thing was too absurd for me to be angry and i demanded with patience but why should i pass myself off as lord ivy that's what we intend to find out snapped aldrich anyway we stopped your game for to-night and to-morrow you can explain to the police your pal he taunted has told everyone on this boat that you are lord ivy and he's told me lies enough about himself to prove he's an impostor too i saw what had happened and that if i were to protect poor kinney i must not as i felt inclined use my fists but my head i laughed with apparent unconcern and turned to the purser oh that's it is it i cried i might have known it was kinney he's always playing practical jokes on me i turned to aldrich my friend has been playing a joke on you too i said he didn't know who you were but he saw you were an anglomaniac and he's been having fun with you has he roared aldrich he reached down to his pocket and pulled out a piece of paper this he cried shaking it at me is a copy of a wireless that i've just sent to the chief of police at new bedford with great satisfaction he read it in a loud and threatening voice two impostors on this boat representing themselves to be lord ivy my future brother-in-law and his secretary lord ivy himself on board send police to meet boat we will make charges henry philip aldrich it occurred to me that after receiving two such sensational telegrams and getting out of bed to meet the boat at six in the morning the chief of police would be in a state of mind to arrest almost anybody and that his choice would certainly fall on kinney and myself it was ridiculous but it was also likely to prove extremely humiliating 
so i said speaking to lord ivy there's been a mistake all around send for mr kinney and i will explain it to you lord ivy who was looking extremely bored smiled and nodded but young aldrich laughed ironically mr kinney is in his stateroom he said with a steward guarding the door and window you can explain to-morrow to the police i rounded indignantly upon the purser are you keeping mr kinney a prisoner in his stateroom i demanded if you are he doesn't have to stay there protested the purser sulkily when he found the stewards were following him he went to his cabin i will see him at once i said and if i catch any one of your stewards following me i'll drop them overboard no one tried to stop me indeed knowing i could not escape they seemed pleased at my departure and i went to my cabin End of chapter two part one